Hi, this is Mandy Griffin. And I'm Katie Swalwell. And welcome to Our Dirty Laundry. Stories of white ladies making a mess of things. And how we need to clean up our act. Hi, everybody. We're back. Hi. It's Dirty Laundry with Mandy and Katie. Hello. Hi. This is the podcast that you come to to learn about how white women are so shitty. You already knew this, but what we try to do here is bring a historical lens so that we understand the roots of where a lot of the shittiness comes from. We are two white women ourselves um, who have been friends for many decades at this point. Um, And we love learning this history because we think it helps us be better in the present and disrupt stuff that's bullshit. And it has been, you've had a wild month. I can't believe Mm -hmm. we're even recording today. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad to see you. Um, But since we've last talked, a lot has happened. (laughs) I mean, when is that not true in 2022? But um, especially around white women's just utter shittiness. So like... I know we have stuff to learn today about history, but can yeah, yeah. we just take a minute to talk about the last couple of weeks? Oh my gosh. We're going to have to take like some episodes to talk about some of this stuff, which we for sure should do. But like, let's just start by saying Jenny Thomas, what Oh fuck? my God. <laughs> you just start. I mean, way to start right at the top. Like, holy shit. Uh... I have been actually like researching some stuff about her because I really do think we have to do an episode. And in yeah, fact, yeah, I yeah. think the next like chapter of this season, we're going to talk about Phyllis Schlafly and, or you're going to talk about her I'm today. Talk about her today. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then she's connected to Jenny Thomas. It's like not surprised. I'm sure that yeah. doesn't surprise sure. you one bit. Um, but I do want to shout out a really, really great episode of the daily that came out on March 30th. Um, the political lives of Clarence and Ginny Thomas with guest Joe Becker, who's an investigative reporter for the New York Times. It was fascinating. It's 32 minutes of your life or less if you listen to it on super speed. And it is absolutely just essential listening if you want to understand this particular white woman and her incredibly powerful fuckery. So, yeah. It's, I mean, I don't think any of us are that shocked that the court is not impartial. I mean, that's well, kind sure. of laughable right. to say that, but this takes it to the next level of absolute corruption and just terrifying like ways. I know. I'm just, I don't understand I, how it, it, it happens, how it's going. I don't know. I, at least Crazy. the way I'm distinguishing everything. And for the, anyone who's been living under a rock, um, <laughs> Jenny Thomas's texts to Mark Meadows were uncovered and they show that she was super, she attended the rally on January 6th. She was really involved in trying to strategize and plan how to stop the steal basically Mm -hmm. like she's an architect of that and been super involved. And then Clarence Thomas did not recuse himself on a decision, like a decision that the court has already made. He was the lone dissenting opinion in the decision that they, they had to turn things over. Right. So it just, Hmm, it feels, yeah, I can't imagine. Um, 
and there it was really this this episode of the daily goes into their relationship their marriage i did not know that they got married right before his supreme court nomination so they were like newlyweds basically when um anita hill testifies against him right and you best believe jenny thomas hates anita hill and she Mm -hmm. hate watched the whole hear all the hearings clarence thomas didn't watch any of them Ginny watched them to like report back to him so anyway their relationship i think is really fascinating and she's clearly invested so you you say like of course the court's not impartial people are humans they have positions and ideologies and beliefs and experiences that's i think like totally understandable and unavoidable mm-hmm. but to me where this crosses like a massive line of uh, the, the episode also goes back through um, how she was a like a lobbyist and advocate against the Affordable Care Act. And mm-hmm. so there there are other moments in their marriage where probably Thomas should have recused himself mm-hmm. from decisions. Um, but when you are like actively engaged in advocacy or treason, you know, whatever, um, <laughs> that that's Fine line that you and you're crossed. using your relationship with this person on the court to leverage the court in your favor. That that's like that's not just a judge's, you know, lens in the world. No. That's a judge trying to use their position to. Yeah. And further... we're going to get into all of this in an episode, but there are even things like on her web page for her firm, which she is somehow technically gets around calling herself a lobbyist because then she'd have to register as a lobbyist. Oh, and then sure. you have all of these like technical rules you have to follow, sure. which of course she doesn't. But her website for whatever it is she calls what she does, um, says that she has access to like the highest decision makers in the government. And it's just yeah. like right out there. Like, she's not even trying to hide it. <laughs> I'm not even trying to hide it. But I did love Ew. also one report that I listened to. I think it was an NPR um, radio piece that you might have sent me to um, where it says that she would she would go to dinner with Clarence Thomas at the White House with Trump and Melania. And that at one point, Trump was even quoted as saying that she was a whack job. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, at the point that Trump <laughs> thinks you've lost your marbles like we've got <laughs> some problems yeah i oh, definitely yeah, listen to talk about that listen to this daily episode it's so good um and then i know it's award season and i know everyone is talking about another incident that happened in relation mm-hmm. to king richard but i want to talk about jane campion's statement oh, yeah. when she won for best director i think at the sag this yeah awards it was before right just before the oscars weekend. yeah and yeah. um said, you know, like, oh, all respect to Venus and Serena Williams, but I've had to compete against men. I should look up the exact quote. Do you have it? It's been something just like that though. I don't, but it is really oh yeah. I mean, very white woman of her to say. Just I heard it and I immediately texted you and I was like, holy shit. She, of course, has since apologized. But that's the thing. These words just fly out of people's mouths so easily without thinking about it whatsoever. And then later they're like, oh, whoops. Like, when do we get to the point where we just don't do that anymore? Oh, here's the direct quote. It's even worse. Do you want to hear it? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Venus and Serena, you are such marvels. However, you don't play against the guys like I have to. (laughs) <laughs> oh my God, it's such unnecessary fuckery. Like, 
Why? Which Why is also like, like not even true. They play it's doubles and they win. <laughs> like, it's what? a inaccurate i mean this is like the history of white women being shitty a you're not even informed b (laughs) you are so unnecessarily making something painful and hard for someone to make yourself look better like there's just no reason she couldn't just say like thank you so much for this award i'm so honored i want more female directors to get this on like why do you have to look at two incredible black women in the audience and be like you two are great but (laughs) not as good as me (laughs) I mean, oh boy. for fuck's sake. Anyway, yeah. yeah I mean, there's yeah. more. And I know we've got a mini so waiting in the wings to go yes. out about um, these scam artists. And what we didn't talk about, we, we talked about um, the dropout and mm-hmm. we talked about the other one with, oh God, now I can't remember anything because it's out of the week <laughs> and my brain is dead. The, I can't remember her name, but she's like a European woman who posed as super rich to scam a bunch of people in New York City. Oh, oh, oh. inventing inventing Anna. Inventing Anna. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, um, it's been a few weeks since we recorded it. Why we need to just get it out. I don't know why. But know. then since then there's also this WeWork movie that came out with Anne Hathaway. Um she plays oh God, and now I don't know her name. I'm gonna have to look it up. But do you you know WeWork that like I don't I've even seen the documentary about it I'm, and I still don't totally understand yeah. what they're all about. It's like um a, like a common workspace that you can go to instead of working from home. Okay. But yeah, then they yeah. got involved in real estate and like somehow it was like a giant scam and the, there's the dude and he's like super charismatic and his wife is kind of like behind the scenes inspiring him and then gets annoyed that she's behind the scenes and like, you know, takes a more public role, but her role is very like new agey. And then it becomes like very cult like and, very like a like they have all these massive parties with every it's like they're trying to just influence people's lives throughout their entire day not just how they work they started a school called we grow there's like some foo-foo spirituality that's connected with Mm. all of it she's gwyneth paltrow's cousin fun fact anyway Mm. in hathaway place her. i'm gonna look up what it's called we crashed we crashed is the movie. Yes. The movie. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. who does she play? Let's look this up in real time. Um, Rebecca. Let's look. Rebecca, Rebecca Newman. Newman. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's like, we should have talked about her too. Maybe we just need a whole season about weird scams, white women's <laughs> involvement. We, I know we've got the episode on LuLaRoe that mm-hmm. I loved, but so anyway, Check yeah. out all of those documentaries. That's a lot. Yeah. And mm-hmm. here we are. Here we are. Thursday. Talk. March thirty first. <laughs> yeah. End of women's history month. Let's mm-hmm. let's take it out with some good old Phyllis Schlafly history. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, yes. So Phyllis Schlafly, we've been teasing this for the past two episodes. <laughs> now we get to talk about her. But first we're gonna go through Briefly, we ended the last episode at the passing of the ERA through Congress, and we ended by talking about how widely it passed. Like, there was very little opposition to it, actually, when the votes happened in the House and the Senate. Um, and then, you know, it went on to ratification through the states, um, 
it, so I was looking at the timeline. I'm like, from the time that good old Alice Paul introduces the <laughs> idea of the ERA in 1923 to 1972, so almost 50 years to pass the ERA, and now we're coming up on almost mm. 50 years of since it has passed. Um, and without being ratified, without as an being amendment. ratified, yeah. yeah. Um, so the ERA passed Congress, but since it's a constitutional amendment, then it has to be ratified. Now, this is where I got, I didn't realize this. I forgot this from my government class. So it had to pass <laughs> Congress by two thirds, but it has to be ratified by three quarters of the states. I think before I said it also had to be ratified by two thirds of the states, but states. that's not true. Somewhere, it's some three government quarters. teacher listening to us was like was crying like, and drove oh. off the road. God damn it. <laughs> They didn't Ev- listen. I knew it. They were Every- talking about yeah. bagels and boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> that actually was the class that we had. That we had this strange split lunch where we had like 20 minutes of class and then lunch and then another 20 minutes of class or however it worked, which is yeah. as a former teacher, the worst Ridiculous. possible, like how you could possibly teach any teenager anything in that kind of yeah. setup. And I do remember like racing back from Brugger's bagels, having <laughs> stuffed ourselves on clam chowder and bagels, which now sounds so gross when I say that. Like, oh. I don't know. I'm just thinking it sounded good, but <laughs> uh, I remember like ripping out the middle of the bagel and yep, just sopping it, up. Anyway, it in the soup. Mm. The good old days. Um, <laughs> no, I, every time that you talk about this too, I, I have in my head, like you as a cartoon from the seventies singing to me. Like, this is how a law becomes an amendment. That's not even a thing. Yes. Yeah. And I fucked up the lyrics, apparently, because it's (laughs) three quarters of the states have to ratify it. Um, So when it was passed, Congress put in the seven-year deadline to ratify, because apparently Hmm. there's not a deadline set by the Constitution itself to, like, when something has to be ratified. Some amendments have been passed without any deadline for ratification. Hmm. Um, most of, I think all, I read somewhere, all of the amendments that have passed have been ratified within four years. I kind um, of don't understand, like, just get on it. Just vote on it I yes know, or like, no. Like, what's, what's the problem? Why? Yeah. Because they got to do all this lobbying to try to get people for or against it, I guess. Hmm. But it's like, uh, yeah. Um so that's kind of where the ERA gets all messed up um, mm. because of this deadline to ratify and what that means and if it's constitutional and if you can revise mm. it or blah, 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 blah. Mm. Side note, while I was researching this, I also found out that the amend- or the ratification of the 14th Amendment, so yeah. the Equal Protection Clause, yeah. was actually a bit of a strong arm um, amendment and probably would not have passed without this rule of ratification. So it was actually a condition of the Southern states re-entry to the union that they ratify the 14th amendment. So I the 14th amendment probably wouldn't have even made it through. Of course it wouldn't with all the <laughs> states coming back in, but whoever figured out that yeah. like caveat, yeah. good for them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Way to go, historical wonk. Good job. (laughs) So during 1872, right after 
um, the ERA passed Congress. 22 state state legislatures ratified the amendment, and then eight more joined in early 1973. The first Mm -hmm. state to ratify it was Hawaii, and they actually ratified Mm -hmm. it the same day that it passed Congress. Because of the time zone differences, you know, by the time Mm -hmm. it had passed Congress, it was still like the morning in Hawaii, and they were like, let's get on this and have a vote, and they ratified it the same day. Speaking hmm. of why can't things just happen, Hawaii was <laughs> yeah, it did it. on it. Yeah. Um, but then between 1974 and 1977, only five more states approved the ERA. Hmm. And so advocates were becoming worried that this deadline was approaching, which was March 22nd, 1979. Hmm. Um, and then... At the same time that they were approaching this deadline, five of the states that had previously ratified it then tried to pass legislation to rescind their ratifications. <gasps> what? Yes. Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. Also, right. Well, that's the question. Is it a thing? No one knows if this is legal. It hasn't actually been decided if you can we do all that. are making it up as we go along. Let's yeah, yeah. Um, it does make me wonder why the rescinding, because I remember being really stunned at my own ambivalence when you were teaching us the last couple of episodes about it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if I would have voted for it or not. Like I, I actually see like justice based reasons to not support it. And I see justice based reasons to support it. And of course there's like the anti-justice reasons to not support it. So I wonder, do you know about the rescinding where they was it like a conservative backlash kind yeah, of yeah, rescinding? Yeah. So okay. the rescinding, I think, probably has a lot to do with when Phyllis Schlafly got involved. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if those states then were able to legally rescind, which has never been decided, then mm. there were only 30 states by the mm. time the deadline arrived that had ratified it. And there had to be 38 states total to ratify it. Um, so the states that tried to rescind a prior ratification were Nebraska, Tennessee, Idaho, Kentucky, South Dakota, and North Dakota. I mean, just guessing based on the politics of those places, I'm guessing the rescinding wasn't like a more nuanced understanding of gender justice. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, apparently the governor of Kentucky, um, vetoed the rescinding of the resolution in Kentucky. But then there was also some question about whether a governor has a power to veto any measure related to amending the United States Constitution. Uh, So that was a whole thing. Um, And hmm. then in West Virginia, okay, so this is all going on back in the 1970s, but still, even today, just February 11th of this year, the West Virginia Senate passed a resolution to rescind their ratification <gasps> of the ERA. So in this day of our Lord 2022, Weird. states are still trying to rescind um, their huh. resolution. Although that was passed by the Senate, it hasn't been adopted by the House. Um, nice. Yeah. And then during this time, South Dakota, North Dakota, and Minnesota, all who had ratified it, all passed resolutions saying that their ratification was only valid until the 1979 deadline. Mm-hmm. And if everybody didn't ratify it by then or the necessary states didn't ratify it, then their ratifications were no longer valid. 
So, and there were several other states that also one legislative body passed it, but not another one. There's just all of this big, humongous mess going on um, hmm. in the ratification process. So, mm -hmm. in 1978, when the deadline was coming up, the beginning of the next year, the Congress mm -hmm. at that time then passed an extension for three more years. There's, of course, all sorts of controversy other as to whether that extension was constitutional, <laughs> because there's nothing in the Constitution about whether you can then extend a deadline. And the the um, passage of that extension was only by a simple majority, not by the two-thirds majority. So oh then the God. question is, because it was an amendment, did it have to be two-thirds majority? I mean, this is where our eyes roll back Some... in our head. We've seen before and we're like, oh, stop. What? Some legal nerd just has like the biggest boner with this situation. <laughs> They're just like orgasming constantly. That For is real. That just is such a mess. So like, like there are, are there still states right now that are actually passing their support like they're ratifying it in their state legislature you said west virginia mm -hmm. just recently tried to rescind their ratification are there any states that are like oh yeah by the way we're on board yeah so does it have a chance of getting to that 38 well, at which point like all of this would come up in front of i don't yeah. know the supreme court or whatever you know that's the question as to whether or not it would and that's where it gets kind of a little bit nuttier. So hmm. the last state to ratify it before the 1979 extension deadline hmm. um, was Indiana. Then all hmm. these years went by with nothing going on. Um, and then in 2017, the Nevada state legislature decided that they could still vote on it because of a previous Supreme Court case, clear back in 1939, Coleman versus Miller. Oh, the sure, Supreme, sure. Yeah, I mean, right, you don't even one. have to describe it. I know that one, yeah. <laughs> the Supreme Court ruled that Congress had the discretion to arbitrate the question of whether too much time had elapsed from the time an amendment passed to when it was ratified. That was based on the child labor amendment that is still not ratified today. But the thing with that is that was one, I know, I don't even know what it says, what? but the fact that it's not ratified what? is probably problematic. <laughs> we should look that up. Like you um, just never know. We might need child labor. So yeah. do we really want to lock that in place? <laughs> oh my um, God. I'm sure that has something to do with farming states. But Ugh. the problem with that was, is that the child labor amendment never had a deadline associated with it when okay. it was sent to the states. And so people argue that, no, the Coleman v. Miller Supreme Court case decision was only for amendments that didn't have a deadline and the ERA did have a deadline. And so you can't use that. But then some states were like, eh. That could be argued. So maybe we could because Congress ultimately should still be the ones to decide. And so in 2017, Nevada put it on their ballot and it passed in Nevada. So oh, I then, mean, and the question of whether it was even constitutional for Congress to put a time limit on it is also a question. Yeah, it's never really in there. Too. It just. OK, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so then 2017 Nevada, 2017, Nevada 2018 Illinois passed it, and then in 2020, Virginia passed it. So that Gosh. would have given the 38 states. Oh. Except for then you have the five who rescinded it, and then the ones who said that if it wasn't ratified by the deadline, then their ratification was rescinded. 
So then it's like, if states can go on and pass it after the deadline, can states rescind it after the deadline? And then do we not have enough anyway? Like, what's the whole, like, where are we at with that? Wouldn't you think this would be a tipping point for probably Congress to answer some of these questions since there, there is like on, if you look at it in one way, it has crossed that 38 state threshold, but there are these questions. So wouldn't that be the time to answer them? I'm asking you like, I I mean, so they have, I think that currently a Hmm. bill has passed the house to extend the deadline or to say that they get rid of the deadline. Um, but it has not gone to the Senate, I'm guessing, huh. because our favorite two senators probably wouldn't support <laughs> uh, it on the okay. pr- liberal side. And so, yeah, it's a total mess. And then there was this whole thing. There was a lawsuit um, involving um, Alabama, Louisiana, and South Dakota in 2019, they sued to prevent further states from ratifying the ERA because they didn't want it to get that to that point where then it could go back and maybe be ratified. And so they said, you know, the seven years they had to consider is is over. We shouldn't allow states to sneak it back into the Constitution through this process. This is illegal. Um and then this was interesting to me on January 6th, 2020. When does that date ring a bell? <laughs> um, apparently the same day, the Department of the Justice Office of Legal Counsel, which is the office that assists the attorney general um, as a legal advisor to the president. So an official in that office, Stephen Engel, issued an opinion in response to this lawsuit Stating, we conclude that Congress had the constitutional authority to impose a deadline on the ratification of the ERA, and because that deadline had expired, the ERA resolution is no longer pending before the United States. So that's what the Office of Legal Counsel's, like, opinion was, but that's not necessarily binding. But -hmm. because of that, um, then in February of 2020, Alabama, Louisiana, and South Dakota entered into some agreement with the archivist of the United States. I don't even know. I didn't even know that that was a thing. So the archivist is apparently who certifies the adoption of amendments after the states ratify it. And the archivist has apparently agreed that they will not certify the ERA if it ever gets approved and passed because they don't think that it's legal. So all of this to say it eventually would have to go through the Supreme Court, but people have tried to get it there. There was um, the United States District Court of Massachusetts um, tried to sue then the archivist for saying that they wouldn't certify it. And then that went on to like various appeals courts. But every time it's gone up the ladder, like it's been pushed back down. The above, the like higher courts have said, we're not going to look at this because basically it's not an issue right now. Like there's no standing for it. A lot of the cases have been d- dismissed based on standing to bring the case. And I don't know what that means. So someone also who understands that is now rolling their eyes at us and being like, you guys are dummies. Um, Anyway, so it has never reached the Supreme Court. So it's still up in the air. Like, what is the deal? What could happen to this 
if now, since the House has said they'll extend the deadline, if the Senate then would extend the deadline. I don't know. Um, interestingly, in something I read, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg did have something to say about all of this when she was asked it. She did support the ERA, unsurprisingly, but she also gave an opinion like when she was giving a speech at some point, someone asked her what she thought about states um, ratifying it afterwards. And she said, that basically, you know, if states can come along and add on after the deadline, then you can't say that states can't rescind it after the deadline. So you can't make the argument that it still should be passed at this point. And she said, we just need to scrap this and start over. Like it needs to go back yeah. to Congress and be voted on again, because under any legal situation where this goes to the Supreme court to be decided on, it's just going to be a mess. It just got too like murky for it to really be decided on Ugh. at this point. So Which I, again, because I'm, I feel I have mixed feelings about it. Part of me is like, just fucking let it go. And let's yeah. focus on you, like the right. equal protection clause being what actually would right. protect people or what. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. God. I kind of feel like there's no way to cleanly get it through without starting over. And then if you start over at this point, it's like, what's your what's your argument? Like, what are you yeah. saying? It's going to solve is this just something right. in name only because that's the argument that a lot of people like when you read on the now mm. website or the other pro mm. era websites like this is just ludicrous that we can't put something in congress that says that you can't discriminate based on sex yeah it's ludicrous but if you're just putting it in there to say it and it doesn't actually mm-hmm. change anything and mm. there's no actual like support for making women's rights actually happen, then what's the point? Like, I don't want something in there that's just a statement just to be a statement. Mm-hmm. If there are other ways that we can actually legally enact um, changes that need to happen, then let's just do that. I don't know. I don't know. Well, and I, I am also a supporter. I, I do think there are groups that, that are owed special protection under the law. And so it does, I think those arguments were really persuasive to me when thinking about like the labor activists that were like, wait, 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 we, we actually have fought really hard for protections that are specific, like thinking about maternal health, for instance, like, Mm -hmm. I think there could be reasons. I don't know. I I need to think about it more, but that I, yeah, just interesting to think like, is it even worth all this hassle? And honestly, I'm also wondering like who's left in the fray. And if it's just a bunch of white women arguing with each other, that's like a good sign to give it up, you know, like, right. Right. Or, or white people arguing with each other. Then like, honestly, at that point, that should be a red flag that this issue actually doesn't really matter. Yeah. And, and there, it was support, um, for the ERA among a lot of African-American and black American um, citizens. One of the most prominent ones was Shirley Chisholm. So she gave a speech um, supporting the ERA in 1970. And then a poll, this must've been some poll in 1976 found that 60% of African-American women and 63% of African-American men were in favor of the ERA. And the legislation has been supported by the NAACP, the National Council of Negro Women, the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists, National Association of Negro Business, and National Black Feminist Organization. I don't know if they still... Did this survey talk about other racialized and ethnic groups or just Um, black women? I don't know. 
that's the only one that was noted in what I was yeah, reading. Yeah, that's interesting. So. Yeah, I would be interested to know, like, their current. But right. I don't know. I could see how they're just like, we've got bigger fish to fry right now. But I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. I mean, I can I can see how conservatives would take the ERA and its intention of improving mm-hmm. things for women and use it to make things worse. Like, that's mm-hmm. the most compelling argument against mm-hmm. it for me. Like, mm-hmm. then you're going to try to strip away all sorts of other rights, like you said. Um, Mm -hmm. which is not what it was intended to do because supporters of the ERA say, actually, all it would mean was that those rights and those protections should also be extended to men instead of taking them away from women, extend them to everyone. Which in some cases I think makes sense, but then in other cases it doesn't make any sense because men haven't been the targets of centuries-old patriarchal misogynistic systems of oppression or white people. You know, like... whether it's race, gender, the intersection, et cetera, it doesn't, it's sort of like why we have affirmative action policies Mm -hmm, is because of generational historical harms to try to address those in some way. Now, whether or not they actually do that or do it well is another question, but like that, the idea that there has been continues to be systemic oppression. And so in order to try to commit ourselves to equity and justice, we need to, divert resources or like hold space for people makes sense. And it doesn't make sense if you're, if you've been benefiting in your lifetime or your family's lifetime for, from those systems of oppression to also just like, it just doesn't make any sense. So Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I just, I don't, yeah, I kind of feel like this is why we can't have nice things because I don't trust (laughs) any of like, I, I know it would get used and manipulated and I don't know. That's, Right now, that's where I'm at. But I, it's weird to think that you're on the same I don't know. Maybe side. it's not that weird, but like on the same side. Yeah, uh-huh, that you're arguing uh-huh. for the same thing just for such different reasons. But that honestly, the only – I don't know much about philosophically. This uh. is sort of a weird segue. But my advisor in graduate school um, was this like pretty famous dude who was very um, critical of a lot of things that were happening in school from like a – like a leftist position and was actually like, he would tell this story about how he worked with Phyllis Schlafly to try to get this. um, It was like a, this, this is all pre-internet. This must've been in like the eighties where there was like a closed circuit TV system being sold to schools that Mm. would show kids like commercials and like a news program, but it was, um, had like sponsors. And so Phil Schlafly didn't like it for conservative reasons. My advisor and like the groups that he was working with didn't like it for like completely different reasons, but they worked together to try to get it out of schools. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I don't know, like maybe it yeah. isn't that weird to think about strange bedfellows like that. But <sighs> Yeah. But it's also just kind of painful to have those <laughs> associations. Hi, fellas. <laughs> like, yeah, hanging out with the devil. Um, yeah. Interestingly, the other thing that I found, and we are just about to move on to okay. Phyllis, but is that yeah. there are um, 24 states that actually have put equal rights for the sexes in their state constitutions. Interesting. Yeah. So that okay. either the exact same wording or very similar wording mm-hmm. or similar wording to the 14th Amendment, there's 24 states that already have mm-hmm. protection for sexes 
in their state constitutions. And well, it's interesting me to me curious. that then none of those have been used to challenge women's protective standing in those states, as far as I know. I don't know. That's what I would be curious about is like, okay, so those are on the books or what has that meant? How have people used that or not? What right. has happened? I, I would be really curious. And my opinion, my like initial thought would probably be that it hasn't meant anything and it hasn't done anything, which is kind of how I feel like passing the ERA. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> just in name only. Welcome anyway. to Darkness and Despair with Mandy Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> as you today's were saying, episode, nothing matters. <laughs> nothing matters. It's all going to suck <laughs> and you can't change it. <laughs> oh, no, we don't yep, think yep, that. Yep, mm-hmm. <laughs> that. If we actually thought that, we wouldn't even be doing this. I know. Podcast. I know. You I know, know that. It's so just depressing. Anyway, so back to our original thought of what happened as this was like barreling its way through Congress and then all these states passed it and then it like was reaching the finish line and had its little claws out to get there and all of a sudden seems to have just been washed away and completely stopped. And what many historians will say, what happened was Phyllis Schlafly. So who is Phyllis Schlafly? She was born in 1924 in Missouri. Um, During the Great Depression, apparently her dad was chronically unemployed and her mom had to work multiple jobs outside the home to support the family. And some people who have done like books and biographies and whatever on her point to this early life experience as what led Schlafly to idealize stay at home housewives Mm, who didn't have to go out and Mm. work and do all of that and not be around her kids because apparently her mother had been upset at the fact that she had to work so many jobs to support the family. So this is what we say. It all goes back to childhood trauma. Get some fucking counseling, people. Don't take your shit out on everybody else for generations. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently that was her background. Um, Mm. So much like a lot of other prominent conservative women who support being a housewife, staying at home, raising babies, Schlafly went to college, was highly educated, had many jobs, and traveled all over the place. So practicing what she preached all the time. Um, She did not, I don't know that she ever had like a paid, paid job where she got hired by anybody, but that was also a criticism of liberal women against her because she married a very wealthy man Mm -hmm. who had a lot of family money and so they were like what was his family money from um i think it was all legal stuff too he was an attorney i think they were like prominent legal people um i was hoping they were like the sausage barons of missouri or something ridiculous also just this is random but just thinking about the name phyllis it really intrigues me how some names are just gone like yeah. My name is Katie. I you went to school with me as little kids. There were always like eighty seven Katies in any class, mm-hmm. especially in like a majority white suburb with yeah. a bunch of like Catholics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like there's a lot of Katies running around, and I have not heard of a child being born with the name Katie for so long. Like That's it's true. just not. And I I hope there's a comeback at some point because I like my name. But yeah. like Phyllis, Phyllis doesn't need to come. Can back. you imagine someone giving birth and being like everyone like an Instagram post like welcome. Phyllis 
into the yes. world. I can't imagine because I've seen know? worse, but I don't know any. I haven't heard of any oh, Phyllises. If anybody knows of a baby Phyllis, send us the baby picture. We want to see cute baby Phyllis. I just can't. There are <laughs> and we want to know where I... it came from. Why? Why? <laughs> why? Why, Phyllis? Was it your grandma that you loved? That's fine. <laughs> I could see like a middle name, but I I would be suspicious if anybody is currently being born Phyllis. But maybe. You never know. Yeah. Who knows? I, Who knows? I actually really like the name and I, I, there's like no knock against it. It's just some names I feel like sort of. Like Bertha. Bertha. Oh, I don't No think. longer a name, you see. Really. Not really. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you might not like the name Phyllis after this. Like you have those well, associations. <laughs> I know like, some personal no. Phyllises who I think are lovely people. So okay. that makes a difference. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just like we know some great Karens, one in particular. We do. So yes, there are wonderful <laughs> we feel Karens really bad about yes. the Karens that have been maligned. Um, <laughs> I don't actually feel bad about it, but yes, it's like, right. <laughs> but it, I get why that might be like a sad thing for them. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. Okay. So, I don't know that any of these things that Phyllis, well, I'm sure she got paid for a lot of her speaking and for her books mm-hmm, and whatever, mm-hmm. but the, yeah. the criticism against her is she had all of this money to go out and do this. And she's criticizing mm-hmm. other women for not holding on to their traditional gender roles. Well, she's really not doing the same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. she, it was just this privilege she didn't recognize that she could keep up this image of the dutiful housewife and her little pearls and her like starched dresses that she wore around. But she was also just gallivanting across the country doing speeches here and speeches mm. there and radio shows and writing books and running for Congress and doing mm. all of these things. She did have six kids and I six kids, six. She had six. Jeez. And I would love to know who was taking care of them. When she was out doing all of this stuff, it would be interesting to see if she had some sort of nanny situation and what all of that yeah. looked like. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so she, over her lifetime, wrote or edited more than 20 books, published an influential monthly newsletter beginning in 1967. She appeared daily on nearly 500 radio stations and delivered regular commentaries on CBS television in the 70s, CNN in the 80s. In 1972, she formed the volunteer organization called Stop ERA, and then three later, three years later, that became the Eagle Forum, which was, um, I think, is still around, like a huge. Well, that's actually it is, and that's the group that was um, investigative journalists just uncovered that they awarded. Ginny and Clarence Thomas or Clarence Thomas, some like big award. And he came and spoke at their forum. And yeah, you can yeah. hear, if you listen to the daily podcast, you can hear Phyllis Schlafly. She wrote a poem, like an mm. ode to Clarence. She mm. reads it. And then he comes up and like accepts it and talks about how his wife's his best friend and whatever. So that's Gross. at the Eagle forum. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ties to that. Um, anyway, so her political passions really started in anti-communism kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the president of the Illinois Federation of Republican Women from 1956 to 1964 after a mm-hmm. failed run for Congress in 1952. And apparently what had happened is that, um, Illinois, like whoever in Illinois asked her husband to run for Congress and he turned it down. And so she's like, I'll do it. Anyway, she did not win. It wasn't even close. Um, mm. But that kind of got her into politics. And then she, well, she'd been in politics, like working for various think tanks and stuff before that as well. Um, but what did then, she study in college, by the way? She 
got an undergraduate degree. I can't remember in what. And I think she got her master's degree at Radcliffe in some sort of political theory hmm. kind hmm. of thing. Yeah. Okay. It was always, I think in one of her autobiographers wrote that it was always her aspiration to be involved in, in politics. She mm-hmm. always wanted to be in D.C. and doing that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Not in a kitchen, barefoot, surprisingly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, in 1958, she and her husband started something called the Cardinal Mincensi Foundation, which was named after a Roman Catholic leader who imprisoned and tortured Hungarian communists. And they named a foundation after him. And it was the purpose of it was to educate Catholics on the dangers of communism. She, was, I, she and her husband were Catholic. This is my ignorance. I didn't know that she was Catholic. Okay. They're, yes. Well, they were very, very active great. Catholics. But to name a foundation after yeah. someone who... Known for, like, torturing people. Tortured yeah. people because you're like, ooh, they're communists. Who cares? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um. And she also had a 15-minute daily national radio show called America Wake Up that was on national security (laughs) issues. She was like a prominent supporter of Barry Goldwater and wrote a Mm. book that sold three and a half million copies called A Choice, Not an Echo, that was in support of his candidacy. Um and it apparently contains all sorts of wild conspiracy therapy or theories. Um Someone in 2005 in The New Yorker, Elizabeth Colbert, said the book uh, mixed fact, sensational accusations, commonsensical truths, and elaborate conspiracy theories into a compelling but evidently bogus narrative. And I, I mean, said, she sounds like a very modern woman. <laughs> I was like, the early days of QAnon, question mark? Yeah, like, <laughs> truly, it yeah. sounds like she was super ahead of her time or like laying the foundation for what we now know yeah. is kind of the 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 conspiracy of, yeah right yeah okay. she is like the the mother literally the mother gave birth to this okay. recent or the more modern yeah conservative movement hmm. um hmm. so apparently she didn't have strong feelings against the ERA initially she was quoted at one point as saying that it was something between innocuous and mildly helpful But then she got asked in the early 70s to debate a feminist on the ERA. And I don't know. I know at one point she debated Betty Friedan. I don't know if this was the debate that Mm. it's um, talking about or not. Um, But in her research for this debate, then she decided she was adamantly against it. It was like the most evil thing on earth and that it had to be stopped. But this was in 1972 after it had already passed the House of Representatives, right before mm-hmm. it passed the Senate. So she got this mm-hmm. coalition um, started right as this was going through Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it just maybe took some time to, like, build up and have this grassroots movement and get all of these people involved. Which she was very well known for her mm-hmm. grassroots um, coordinating So she founded and appointed herself chairwoman of STOP ERA. And STOP is something called a backronym. I don't know if you know what that means. Is that a backwards acronym? (laughs) You would think. I don't know. But what it means is, (laughs) is that it's called STOP, but STOP is also like the the S in STOP. So it's STOP taking our privileges. Oh. Is that what a backronym is when the first word is the acronym is the acronym apparently something like that it's not very creative stop 
taking our, our privileges. privileges. That's it's what it so, it, you just broke my brain. You just <laughs> broke my brain. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So she okay. argued that the ERA would take away gender specific privileges currently enjoyed by women. Um, some of those included the dependent wife benefits given under social security. Um, and, but hmm. then she also argued that it would lead to taking away separate restrooms for males and females. We know that's still mm-hmm. a big concern of people that, and that it would influence, um, taking away alimony for divorced women who were dependent on their husbands mm-hmm. and, um, get rid of the preference for women retaining custody of their children after divorce mm-hmm. and the exemption of women from the selective service draft. So it's just so interesting. Like I actually, you know, just said, like, I, I would be worried about particular protections that I think are responses to systemic oppression. So honestly, there are, there might even be overlap in terms of the list I would make and the list she would make about mm-hmm. quote special privileges. But uh, like some of those things you just mentioned, I'm blanching at, you know, even though there are things that I would, if I were making a list, I would probably say like, and to your point, there are some things I would want to extend like parental leave, not just leave for a woman who gave right. birth to right. a child, right. Or a person who gave birth to a child. Um, but I, it, I don't know. That's where I'm just, my mind is sort of twisting a little yeah. bit. Like, And it's yeah. also like why, even if it's the same thing that you're fighting for, like your ideology leading to that belief is probably mm-hmm. completely different. Oh, um, it, it is complete, yeah. like yeah. totally. And, and the, the reasoning behind it isn't that I think women are weaker or need protection or did she think that like, what was her ideology about? Sex? She was just well, very, very like, apparently very, supportive of gender norms and the roles of women, which is so weird given how she lived her entire life. But like, she, did she believe that is she still alive or is she died? No, she died in 2016. Okay. Oh, yeah. so not that long ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. But did, did she think like women can't like they need a man? I don't know. I don't know. Specifically. She okay. thought that probably, she probably thought well, they were better off with one. I would assume. Hmm. I don't know, but she was just very, she just, everything that she did, the way she went about arguing against the ERA was all in defense of like traditional gender mm-hmm. roles. So part of her. And like um, a marriage between a man and a woman. Yeah. And, like, oh yeah. She was very, very yeah. nuclear yeah. family, like um, against any other kinds of family mm-hmm. um, set up. Uh, and mm-hmm. like the whole thing about, they, she also argued that the ERA could lead to um, gay marriages being legalized, which is like, haha, jokes on you. They did it anyway, Phyllis. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and also I, this may come up later, but we'll just do it now since we were talking about it. What her oldest of her six children is actually gay, um, mm. but still completely supports like all sorts of conservative ideals Mm. and never rejected anything his mom said and also like Mm. didn't believe in legalizing marriage between gay people even though he was gay interesting yeah very interesting interesting things um anyway so she started this stop era and part of the way that they influenced these states that were looking to ratify it was all of these housewives would bake pies and bring like jams that they made 
to legislators in Congress with the slogans, preserve us from a congressional jam, vote against the ERA sham. Yeah, there's a lot of puns and rhyming, mm-hmm. and I get it. Like, yeah, very yeah. clever. Yeah. <laughs> and I am for mom and apple pie was mm-hmm. their other one that they did. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I mean, apparently. And I'm guessing this was mostly white women supporting her. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But apparently that worked. For a lot of yeah. men in I'm Congress, sure. I like, can picture Pies some and like, jam. I love okay. jam. Oh, You're right. What do we do without jam? Yeah, I can see that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Licking their like sticky fingers that have been God knows where that day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, she just kind of knew how to play yeah. middle class white women. I mean, she was yeah, just yeah. like the Pied Piper of mm-hmm. these middle-class white women who thought that their lives were going to be destroyed by this. Mm-hmm. There's a story about in the late 1970s, um, there was some attempt by now, like some program by the National Organization for Women for a program that would help older, divorced, and widowed women. Um, so there were a lot of women who were, a lot of widows who were ineligible for social security benefits, and then a bunch of divorcees who didn't receive alimony or very little of it. And then these women who, after their like lives and careers as housewives, didn't have husbands anymore, either by death or divorce, had very few work skills to support themselves and to get into the mm-hmm. labor force. So now started a program to try to help those women, but apparently mm. younger feminists and now criticized those programs as giving priority to basically middle-class white women mm. and mm. saying we really need to focus our efforts more on poor minority women rather mm. than to these middle-class white women. Mm. Um, and so then now started to downplay the program and Schlafly quickly mm. moved in on that and said, you know, that feminists had basically abandoned older middle class widows and divorcees in need and that the ERA passing the ERA would further this imbalance in favor of laws for men and strip all of these protections from these women. And she basically just like beat the drums and like rallied up all of these older middle class white women into believing Mm -hmm. that like feminism was against them and they needed to keep fighting against the ERA for that purpose. Mm. So, yeah, it's so sad. It just is so depressing. It's just so depressing. Did you watch that show? What was it called like Miss America or something? Oh, it was about yeah, Mrs. America. It's like a Mrs. multi-series America. thing, and I think it's about Phyllis Schlafly. I came I across sure. it I while I was it. like looking for this stuff, and I was like, "Oh, I should have watched that thing," but I don't have time to well, watch seven watch episodes it. before. No, I know. <laughs> Same, but I do want to start. I will pledge to start watching it because I do think this is just so fascinating and like this idea that you can kind of swoop in and collect people when they're vulnerable and open to your interpretation of things that throws other people under the bus, but like protects you. I, yep. It's just such an age old strategy yep. Yep. to do that. Yeah. Um, and also like helps explain the current landscape of like suburban middle and upper class white women mm-hmm. supporting all of this and not supporting, not being in solidarity with anybody else, yep. you know, yep. it just it's, hasn't changed. No, it hasn't changed at all. I mean, and she was around for a while. She was still active up until, you know, really like literally the day after she died. She had a book that was published the day (laughs) after she died that was the conservative argument for Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. 
that was published right before he was elected. Um, wow. Yeah. So she had other like fairly abhorrent views as well. Um, but one thing I read that said like even liberals conceded her huge impact on politics. Political sure. scientist Alan Wolf wrote, if political influence consists in transforming this huge and cantankerous country in one's preferred direction, Schlafly has to be regarded as one of the two or three most important Americans of the last half of the 20th century. And then he wow. added that every idea she ever had was scatterbrained, dangerous and hateful. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh my god uh, so she did and all of these things think, uh, which she really did these things and she really did them with like this kind of knife stabbing twisting kind of thing she was well known for starting all of her speeches by thanking her husband for letting her be there and then she ew. would snidely she would snidely say and i love saying that because it makes all the libs so mad yeah, this is fucking gross. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said she called sex education classes in-home sales parties for abortions. Wait, she was quoted as calling the atom bomb a marvelous gift that was given to our country by a wise god. And you're going to love this one. Oh, there's a couple. They, both of these last ones are horrendous. She spoke out against the idea that marital rape was a thing by saying, by getting married, the woman has consented to sex. And I don't think you can call it rape. Mm -hmm. And she also thought the Republican Party should reject immigration reform proposals. She told um, some news outlet that it is a great myth that the GOP needs to reach out to Latinos in the United States. The people the Republicans should reach out to are the white votes, the white voters who didn't vote in the previous elections. The propagandists are leading us down the wrong path. There's not any evidence that all these Hispanics coming from Mexico will vote Republican. So she was just heinous. Like... Any argument that could be made that she was trying to protect women mm -mm. by stopping the passage of the ERA is just, I think, shot dead in the water Laughable. by all of these I other mean, disgusting sure. views that oh. she had. Yeah. And just that knowing that she was so impactful. I mean, that quote you read is just going to stick with me for a long time. Like, so impactful, yet, like, gross. Yeah. So Just, and uh, dangerous, really dangerous uh, that she became so widely known and influential in the political. Also, sphere. this is like classic white woman shittiness is that I we didn't I, I maybe we learned about her as like a footnote in like an advanced modern U.S. history class, you know, but yeah. if she if she's one of the top three influential figures in the latter part of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is where I think white women benefit so much from sexism, ignoring them because then mm -hmm. you can just like do, 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 like keep doing it and being super influential. I it just like, it disturbs me that she's not a more commonly known. And maybe there, I'm sure there are people that know her and love her or know her and right. hate her or whatever. Like I'm sure the there's a range of awareness, end, but to in her. the middle, most people just probably have no idea. Or, like, maybe they've heard the name, but they don't, 
you know, like, I mean, I'd heard the name before, but I couldn't have told you anything about her before reading all of this stuff. So, well, flip side, glass is half full. Like she wasn't ever elected to any office. Mm -hmm. I don't know that this always works like, oh, so people who want justice and equity and humanity and love and like all those things. Like then there's lots of ways to grassroots organize and work and push and all of that. I do think sometimes that some of these tactics are more effective with particular ideologies than they are Mm -hmm. like not every tactic plays the same or works the same Mm -hmm. because it rubs up against, you know, like I I can see why she was popular and effective sphere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In her right with her people in ways that like it wouldn't, wouldn't work necessarily with other ideological mm-hmm. camps, but yeah. yeah. And just her use of media was super savvy. Oh yeah. Like she yeah. was very into all of that early on with all of the radio shows and magazines and all of that kind of stuff. Was, yeah. Did she have a nemesis? Like somebody that um, she I mean, was constantly she and, battling? Yeah. I mean, I think it was frequently mentioned like Gloria Steinem and Betty Friedan. They were yeah. in the debate that she had with Betty Friedan. Betty Friedan actually told her that she should be burned at a stake. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Which I'm like, all right, Betty, do we have to stoop down oh to the God. same level? Rain it in. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because yeah, 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 then yeah. then Phyllis just turned that right back around and said, I'm glad you've said that because now people can see how disgusting you are. Mm-hmm. Which is like, yeah, don't do that. Don't mm-hmm. say stuff like that. You're not winning anything outside the people mm. who already agree with you. Yeah. So yeah, those were her main nemeses at the time. So yeah, it would be interesting mm. to talk to Gloria Steinem today mm. and ask her about oh, totally. you know, Lafley. I would Maybe she to just that. like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't know. I, well, I really <laughs> want to watch this mini stock, whatever. It's like a mini series yeah. mm-hmm. TV show. And mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe it's like, I have to read reviews about it too, but, um, yeah. gosh, yeah. Phyllis. I mean, that's so yeah, Phyllis. And that's where we end with the ERA. And just like you were saying earlier, I'm not sure where I, I'm still yeah. not sure where I stand. I mean, I think at the very least, I do think you have to scrap it and start over. I don't think it's worth trying to push it through on what it is now, because it's just going to be so contested that I don't think it'll have any teeth to do anything. And it's just a huge, like legal mess with the way. Well, and, and part of me is like, there are kind of like the argument that the younger feminists were making. And now like there are other things that I am way more concerned about, like all of these transphobic, like violent, horrible bills that are passing like every single day in different States. Like that's terrifying. And if we are going to like, if there is going to be like a coalition effort to stop laws or start amendments or whatever, I'd rather have it be focused on that. Yeah. Um, it just, it, it doesn't seem, I don't know, like w- why. It just seems like a historical point. argument at this point, rather than a pertinent one that's actually going to make a difference in people's lives. <sighs> but yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Anyway, I would well, love to know other people's thoughts. So if you guys yeah. listening have thoughts about things or yeah. other parts of the argument, send them along to us. And yeah. Do you want to give like our email it. addresses? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's Mandy at our dirty laundry podcast dot com. Mandy with a Y. And then Katie and with a Y at our dirty laundry podcast dot com. Um, what should we do next? I know we've talked about like the Lily Ledbetter Act and looking at 
like legislative efforts for fair pay. I think we, I also really want to look into like nineties white feminism, like 1990s, early two thousands, um, girl power kind of stuff. Is that cool? If that's where we go next. Mm -hmm. That sounds good. Okay. I mean, There's I bet we plenty. can spend more time on Phyllis Schlafly. There's plenty. Well, thank right. you, as yeah. always. All um, right. Okay, we'll see you have guys a, soon. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye.